and welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. Hello, my name is Roger Bowes. I'm in studio with Jason Rice, and today you're listening to Soberholic Podcast. Yes, we are so glad to have you. Hey, you know, we we can actually tell that there are like, we have a solid, hard crew, hardcore group of listeners that listen every week, and I just wanted to say thank you for listening yeah. every single week. Yeah, it's cool, man, because um, some of the analytics we get to see in our podcast now um, through the software that um, you've started using is we can see it from all over the world where our listeners are listening from. And so it's awesome to see, um, of course, because we're based out of Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, I would say probably the majority are right there in Alabama. But then we have others from all over the U.S., and I see several in Europe now. Yeah. And I've even seen some in Australia. Yeah. So it's really cool to see all of you guys who listen to at least my southern accent. I don't know what you <laughs> think about Jason, but I know mine's rough. And so even um, not only do you listen, but you can interpret what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, check it out, man. Um, I was thinking a lot about what to do this show on, and you know, um, we've been doing this for, I, is it is it over two years now? We've been doing yeah, this? it's around two years. We're we're coming up on a hundred episodes. Okay, but yeah, we there for a while. We didn't do them every week, and so um, yeah, and sometimes we were more than once a week. So I don't know. I I knew it was around two years, but. Um, some of our topics are the same as we've had in the past, um, but from a different point of view. Yeah. Maybe um, speakers have spoken in the past, I think, and we've had a guest speaker on before that talked about some of the stuff that we'll cover today. Um, Jamie, I can't even remember Jamie's last name now. It's been so long ago. Maybe I can find that and, and put it in the show notes. But um, what I want to talk about with you um, and our listeners is suicide. And it's not a topic that you really jump up and down to talk about. Yeah. You know, no. <laughs> it's really a depressing talk, conversation. But I believe that um, we know suicide uh, not so much from the professional point of view as Jamie did. Right. Um, but more so from living experience of feeling down and out and and having the suicidal tendencies oh yeah um being in active addiction i mean it's rare that i haven't heard somebody who's you know really been down to the bottom of addiction in their life that hasn't mentioned at least you know i had suicidal thoughts and and i definitely did um s several times um there was a period during my active addiction I did have a gun, you know, and thankfully I didn't have the gun that long because I went and pawned the gun to get drugs. So my priorities were not uh, with the gun. <laughs> you pawned your, you pawned a gun and you pawned your cell phone. Oh yeah, to get dope. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. was hardcore, huh? Yeah, I, I pawned a, a a weed eater too one time. <laughs> <laughs> I got like twenty bucks for the thing. Yeah, if I could pawn it, I did. But, um, you know, there was, there was, I have a specific memory of being in a, my apartment. And I think it was, I, I was going through withdrawals. You know, I, I, could, I couldn't find any dope, it was where I had gotten to. 
and you know i kind of got sober long enough just to like kind of i got a little introspective and started thinking about my life and just how you know where my life had had gotten to at that point and i was just super depressed and you know had that gun in my hand and i kind of started playing playing the whole scenario out if i shot myself and the the thought that really kept me from doing it was just imagining this is the this is what i played out in my mind imagining my mom coming and finding me and i just that that's really what kept me from from going through with it i just was like i can't do that to her it'd be a tough scene uh i mean sure. i just yeah i imagined the scene and everything and i was just like i can't do that and you know I, i'm thankful that you know for whatever reason i played that out and um but I, I certainly wanted to die i didn't want to keep on living and then there were there were countless other times and this was more more common um especially this last time i got sober those those last few days before i went to rehab where i was like you know this should be enough drugs to make me overdose because i don't i don't want to i don't want to keep doing this i don't want to keep living um and but then then it wasn't you know um so so there was definitely other uh i i wouldn't i wouldn't call for me anyway i wouldn't call those like real serious attempts it was more of um would you call it a cry for help i think it was more kind of a cry for help yeah i think that's more of what it was and um and you know to to some extent it kind of worked you know um but anyway i you know I, there there was definitely many times in my active addiction where i was just like i, I it, the world would be better off if i wasn't here I, I lived most of my towards the end of my addiction with that same thought in my head uh i would say probably the after i came out of the military there was a year or two somewhere around right there well now i was i had the training with weapons uh, which i you know I, I i'm a good old boy I, i've been raised up with you know deer hunting and guns all my life but when i went into the infantry i was taught a lot more about guns mm -hmm. and became very familiar with them and um and two, I kind of had this ego complex, you know, that I that I was, you know, much more tough than what I really was. And so I carried a gun with me everywhere because that's what they did in TV is you carry a gun if you're going <laughs> to be a drug dealer, you know, to, yeah. to cover yourself. And, and everybody knew I'd pull that gun on you in a heartbeat. <laughs> I mean, and I would. I, I'd pull a gun out and, and point it at you. Now, I never really had any intentions of shooting anybody, but I had everybody believing that I would right, shoot you. Yeah. And I... I could have easily shot you on accident because I was just so high. You know, I, I mean, that. Wow. there's been many times I was in a blackout and even though I pulled my gun out. You know, I'd find out the next day. But that was how my my last year or so was, is I carried a gun everywhere with me. And I remember many nights with that gun in my mouth ready to oh, just wow. shoot myself. It was loaded, and I had the hammer back on it. And they would, But I would always do it with a girl around me so that I could get the attention from them. Oh, yeah. Now, there was a sincere desire in me to die because I, I was just tired of living. I, you know, those yeah. saying sick and tired of being sick and tired. I, I just wanted something to change, but I didn't really ever see a way out. Yeah. I thought drugs was just, that was going to be my life forever. But I never was, I don't know if brave is the word to use. Uh, I just, I never would shoot myself. But what I always did, I can't even tell you how many times I tried this, was what you kind of mentioned was I would 
I would do enough dope to where I would expect to die. Yeah, right. And I mean, I, I'm not going to get into how much, but it was a lot. Yeah, sure. You know, and uh, so I would wake up the next morning and I and would be upset that I didn't die. Yeah. I mean, genuinely upset and cuss God for not killing me. And then we would start the cycle again. Yeah. And that was an everyday deal. As long as I could come up with enough money or weed eaters like you to pawn <laughs> uh, to get me some more. Yeah. You know, and usually it would take more than a $20 bill to get enough to do it. You well, know, sure. Because uh, this was before heroin when I got clean. Um, I was still pills. And so, um, but I was, you know, I was using them in all shapes, forms, and fashion. So um, that was kind of my way with suicide. It was always wanting to die, but never really having the courage, if that's the word to use, to do it. And um, just living a life where I wanted to die, I couldn't die, and thinking the world would be better without me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of people who have had those suicidal tendencies or thoughts can relate with those those attitudes or that that thought process. Yeah, especially especially the... I think the thought that probably is the biggest like virus that works its way in there and can kind of kind of stick around is the whole everybody would be better off without me, right? Which is a total lie, it, it, of know? course. And that's the one that you know. I mean, even when I wasn't having suicidal thoughts, that I, that was still there in my mind. You know, I'm causing all these all this trouble in my family. You know costing my family money or whatever i'm making my mom cry you know what whatever you know i was doing at the time and i would just think you know nobody needs me around nobody nobody well i would you know of course tell myself nobody loves me i'm not worth anything i'm a piece of crap mm -hmm. and then your your mind just goes down a just spirals down the toilet you know basically uh, at that point and, and all those were just lies, too. You know, I mean, people did love me. People did want me around, and the world was not better off without me. Yeah, it, it's, it is. It's a spiral that we get into, and we keep believing the lies, and the, 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 the lie seems to grow bigger and bigger. And I don't know about you, but with me, since I've been sober, I've been surrounded by a lot of suicide in my life. Mm -hmm. And a lot has to do with addiction because I've been around addiction for so long in recovery, you know, being part of 12-step groups. Uh, but there was one particular that I, that I remember at the last church I was at, and there was a, a gentleman there who... You know, I started in AA. We've talked about this time and time again, but I wasn't going to church. And I, I visited this church, and there was this man who kind of just he just befriended me really quick. And later, as, as time went on, I found out he was a deacon in the church. Mm -hmm. And um, he just kind of became a really close friend to me. When they would have work days or whatever, he would invite me to come, not to work. Like, that wasn't his goal. His goal was to befriend me and get mm -hmm. to know me. And that was a way we could do it outside of a sermon or anything else. Sure. And he did it all out of the kindness of his heart. So I, I got really attached to this guy. And years later, still a deacon at the church, I had served with him um, on different boards at the church. And uh, he started losing weight really bad and going to this really deep, dark spot, you know, just not being himself. You mm. could just see changes in him. His family could see changes in him. And he wasn't on drugs. And mm. I, I went one time and talked to him in his home, and he just he wouldn't talk. You know, just, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's good. You know, just yeah. real uh, maybe prideful is the way to say it. Just He's an older guy. Yeah. You know, he was in his late 50s, early 60s, and just wouldn't talk about anything. 
is everything's good. We're good. Yeah, you know, is that, that's how. It, and I didn't pursue it a lot. I'm like, he's a grown man. I'm gonna let him do do his thing. He's working working it out. Well, um, we got the call that he had committed suicide mm. in his bed, and um, it, it really shocked the family. We, we went over there to kind of help clean up the 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 mess that was left behind. Yeah. And um, I remember his funeral, the pastor um, preaching there and, and was really talking about how, you know, we're angry at, at him for doing this. Yeah. And, um, you know, we didn't think that he went to hell. A lot of people say, well, if you commit suicide, you go to hell. Right. I, I don't see anywhere in Scripture that it says that personally. Uh, but we were all mad at him for what he had done because we felt like he took the easy way out because we were left with the hurt that had happened from that. Mm-hmm. We wasn't better off without him. We would have been better off had he found some help for himself And because I lost a friend through all of that. And I'm sure you've had these same situations. Oh, yeah. And I bring that up to say that um, the world is not better without you if that's what you believe. It's not true. And that there's there's hope and help for everyone, and and you don't have to be an addict just to have suicidal thoughts. No, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I could I was sitting here while you're telling that story, thinking of three different people, just in the last year, just in the last five years, four or five years, you know that that have committed suicide, and it it's all it kind of seems like it's always the same. The same story of we didn't, you know, the family saying we didn't know, you know, in in your in your story, it seems like they kind of did know. I don't know that the family did, but looking back on it, right. you know, high size twenty twenty, I wish I'd have done more. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I, I think I think something that we all need to get better at is because I mean, this whole suicide thing, especially since COVID, I was looking at. Uh, I was looking at some um, study that they had done, preliminary study they had done last year. And, I mean, the suicides have, you know, the numbers have spiked, you know, since COVID because more isolation, all that kind of stuff. But we need to get better at identifying, you know, like what what are the symptoms that lead up to it or whatever. And, of course, we are not professionals in this field at all. We're just two guys talking. Well, listen but. to this. I mean, um, I went through some training a while back, and, and I'm going to give you some statistics. So everything I, I kind of I throw out here will be from the CDC, which we all know what the CDC is now because of COVID. Yeah. But th- this is older <laughs> stuff. This was in 2017. But um, one of the, it says that suicide was the second leading cause of death in ages from 10 to 24 the the second leading second leading cause wow. of death from age 10 wow to 24 now i kind of get the teenage deal but from 10 now when i i first saw this i thought about it there's no way in my lifetime would i have been 10 years old thinking of suicide I personally believe this is nowhere in the in the CDC guidelines. This is Roger's opinion given given to you now. Is this the technology we have today? Yeah. We're so immersed in this stuff, and we we can we see guts and gore through video games, through everything else, and we lose contact, intimate relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. We want to do it over the internet, you know, one way or another, whether it be FaceTime or whatever. I think that pl- plays a big factor in there. Plus, you've got new videos, these ticky-tocky videos, as I, as I call them to oh, my son. Um, you know, and we're, we're always trying to be better than what we are, and there's this image that we don't compare 
and kids now, even as young as ten, have got cell phones. Yeah, and and they're always this this thing. There's they, there's so much pressure on them. Yeah, and 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 we were we're finding our worth, our self worth, in these these online outlets. You know, whether it's social media or whatever, or message boards and all this kind of stuff. And you know that it, it's a hollow that seeking your self-worth in those in those ways it's hollow and it's empty and i think i think everybody knows that but yet we still do it it's kind of like i mean it's the same thing when i think about being in addiction to drugs and alcohol like i knew deep down there wasn't nothing there for me right but yet i still drove it all the way down to the bottom you know this may make it even more real to you and to our listeners um, this study says that for um, someone dies of suicide, suicide approximately every 11.9 minutes. So that means just during this podcast, two people will die from suicide. Jeez. In fact, it says that so, um, someone aged between that 10 and 24, they die of suicide approximately every hour and 35 minutes. That is crazy. And that's just in that age age bracket. That's from know? 10 to 24. Mm-hmm. Man. It's pretty crazy. In fact, it, it, um, it went back and did the numbers of the people who died in the U.S. from, and I'm just going to give you a round figure here, but from 2011 to 2017, approximately 40, say 40 to 45,000 people a year die from suicide. Good night. So it's not just a small number of people um, that's dying from suicide. In fact, I don't know what the numbers are of COVID-related deaths, and these are just related deaths. Um, you know, I think it's on up 200,000 200 or something. Thousand I've quit watching the news yeah. to be perfectly honest. Right. Um, but I mean, these numbers don't pale in comparison to this, you no, know, well, I mean, no, 40,000 a year is on, is it like up there with like car accidents? And then for every one, uh, suicide that's attempted, um, oh, I mean, for every, uh, successful, if that's a word, successful suicide, um, there's 25 attempts. Good night. So, I mean, those are staggering numbers because um, I know I've even had with my own children, you know, them thinking of suicide, and they're not in a broken home. I mean, my kids have never had to witness me in active drug addiction, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've provided a good family, but it's, it's the pressures that children feel and, and are faced with every day. And it, it definitely tells us that um, – that men are four times more likely than women, mm-hmm. which I've always kind of felt that. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. You know, and even firearms, guns right. yeah. is the big one. You know, 50% of people do it by firearm. What would you think the second leading cause of suicide would be? The second, what do you mean the second leading? How do people kill themselves? Other than guns, what would be the oh, second leading thing? Um, hmm, maybe overdose of pills? Suffocation. Oh, you mean like with a car and like the well, like with the I, I don't know if it's that or pipe? a bag or a holding herself underwater. It just said suffocation. Wow, um, that would not be my go-to. No. But um, I mean, they, these are real numbers. These are the, you know Alabama. I mean, not Alabama, but you know U.S. statistics here from the huh. CDC. And then the third one was poison, the third leading cause, mm. and everything else is kind of grouped into like three percent that falls down yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I'm going to say, poison falls into the drugs. Od, it's got yeah, to. it doesn't it doesn't clear you know say that clearly, yeah. but I would say that's probably what it well, is. Well, I mean, if somebody overdoses 
would they be would that be counted as suicide because there would be no way to know if that was an intentional overdose or not I don't know. yeah there wouldn't be no way that they could know that i don't know but anyway regardless to say here's what oh, you, you were talking one. about uh, um before I, I ran off on our numbers here of some of the risk factors yes you know okay so what what would it look like you know you know talking about my buddy and some people you mentioned um there's there are some indicators for people who would potentially commit suicide you know how they would end up there um you know so so what is a you know risk factor um someone who has you know a family history of suicide oh yeah you know so it kind of it does say that it kind of runs in the family if you've got parents that's had these problems you know you could have it too Mm mm-hmm um, a family history of child uh, just mistreatment mm-hmm. that that could be one, like childhood trauma. Yes. Yeah. Um, or if you've tried to commit suicide in the past, you're more at risk to do it a second time. Right. You know, you may try to follow through further than you did um, previously. History of substance abuse. Yeah. You know, that's just I, I personally believe that comes with the depression part of it. Yeah. And you just it's just part of it. Uh, feelings of hopelessness, um, aggressive tendencies, you know, those impulses, and then cultural and religious beliefs. Did not see that one on the list. So wait, they're saying you're at a higher risk if you have religious beliefs. Well, I think it maybe it didn't specify, but possibly cultural. Yeah. Um, help me out with my religious um, things, but the jihad. Is that right? Oh, you know, I you, see. You can like kill extreme but religious beliefs. Could be. It didn't maybe. say that. Yeah. You know, uh, or so. like you know, the 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 people at Waco, Texas, like David Koresh yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I could say okay. Yeah. I mean, it didn't say like if you're a Christian, no, you could die quicker. Oh, Heaven's can, Gate and like you know, ritual suicide and stuff. Yeah, right. I could see that. Huh. And, and it even goes in to talk about how, you know, those in the LGBT uh, community, especially youth, are two to seven times more likely to commit suicide. So if you've got someone like that in your life and, and they're struggling, you know, with, mm-hmm. with different thoughts and stuff, you know, they, they have the potentially a higher risk factor. Uh, Native Americans, veterans, both two, th- two to four times more likely. All of those are things that could cause someone to – be more prone to to think that suicide is the way out now i don't know about you but um when you're in the moment and you're thinking about suicide these things don't really mean a whole lot right you know? um not to you personally mm-hmm. i mean you, you don't thinking well well i know i've got a higher risk factor that i may potentially actually follow through with this because of these reasons you're just hopeless you, you think this is the only option and when suicide becomes the only option well then you start playing it out in your head for you fortunately you played it out your mom could find you and that's mm-hmm. not a good you know uh, alternative for yeah. you uh for me it was well. It was just God's grace for me. I, I mm. didn't really care about what anybody else saw because that wasn't my problem. Then it was their problem, and God just kept me alive. But I, I think that you know, dep- depression is certainly one of the big kickers when it comes to suicide. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the the main thing is is don't give up and reach out instead. You know, and and thankfully. You know, mental health awareness, um, you know, 
seeking professional mental health, all, all that, the stigma surrounding that is coming down, thankfully. Right. You know, um, like I've, I've had professional counseling in, um, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, you know, not because I was having suicidal thoughts or anything, but just because it's it's healthy. It, it was good for me to do. I, and, you know, used to 10, 15 years ago, if you said I'm seeing a counselor, people would think, oh, you know, wonder, you know, wonder what's going on with them. And they it might be kind of seen in a judgmental light or whatever. But I don't think I, I, it seems like to me, this is just from my perspective, seeking professional help is not looked down on at all anymore like it used to be. And that's a huge, huge help um, to anybody who's struggling with depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal thoughts. You can just reach out for help, and you can get it, and there's a lot more of it around, too. And, and most people, when they're thinking of suicide, it's not normally the conversation go, I'm ready to commit suicide. You know, that's not the words that I ever used. It was more like, I'm done. I can't do this no more. Yeah. You know. Uh, or something like I'm just tired of my life mm-hmm. over and over. I'm just, I'm just tired of it. I just can't go on. You know that's the, that doesn't say suicide, but that could be like an indirect cue for you to go. Hey, maybe this this person's thinking of this. Yeah, you talking about like trick, like kind of like signs, right? That they right. might be. Yeah, you know, you know, other things that I can remember saying. Yeah, who cares if I'm dead? You know. Yeah. Th- those are those are things that you know I remember thinking these things in my head over and over. And um, or how about this? I can remember talking to a, a girlfriend one time, and she had broke up with me, and I, I was really trying to play the heartstring on her. But you know, who cares? I won't be around much longer, anyways. Oh yeah, you know, just like you know, here's my subtle hint that I, I, I'm fixing to go harm myself. Right. Those are all things I've used, but you know, there's more like behavioral things, as I mentioned with my guy. That, I, that the deacon that I knew, he lost a lot of weight. Real quick. You know, really quick. Yeah. I mean, it was shocking. You know, so what's going on with that person? If you, if you see that happening, that could tell you maybe they're going through something. They could look, they could still be working a job. They can do mm-hmm. all the things that they used to do, but things are starting to change. You know, of course, stockpiling guns, huh, that's, yeah. uh, you know, if it's out of character, you know, right. some people may just like to collect guns. Or, um, you know, if it's just giving your Everything possessions away. away. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just joking with my old sponsor the other day. He moved, he downsized from a 13-acre ranch down to a little house, and he was giving away, like, everything. And he was saying that he just didn't want to sell it. You know, he just hates the hassle of selling. So he offered to give me, like, this go-kart. It was about $1,000, and I just refused to take it because I didn't know where to use it. My kids really didn't want to mess with it. And I told him then – um, I was like, man, I was really thinking that you was thinking about suicide during that part of your life. He was laughing. He's like, man, I just didn't want to sell it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, if you run across all this with someone, um, and and this is for the person not in the suicide sure, deal. Sure. This is the person who's got the suicide possibility in their life. Mm. You know, someone, a child, a loved one. I believe the most important thing you can do is if you start seeing these, you know, direct or you know, indirect cues um, or things happening in their life, the best thing you can do is get that person to the side, away from everybody else, 
and just straight up ask just them. ask them and just straight yeah. up ask you know are, are you thinking about killing yourself are you thinking about hurting you yourself? Wanna, you yeah. won't harm yourself i've called the cops on people who i've been on the phone with that were talking about hurting themselves yeah. and uh and I got when I got off the phone with them, I called nine one one and said, "Hey, they're parked at you know they're parked at this gas station. They're talking about harming themselves." And they were mad at me yeah. because they came and got them and took them to the psych ward or whatever. And you know they were mad at me. And one guy, I he never talked to me again after that. But, but that that may have ch- could very well possibly changed his whole life. Oh, it was totally yeah. worth it. Yeah, yeah, and and, I, and I've asked uh, I asked somebody last year. You know, are you thinking about because they 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 had some some of those warning phrases mm-hmm. in there, and you know they were upset about it, and um, you know, but I I would rather somebody be upset with me and not talk to me anymore and be alive. But for the for the average person. When we hear those phrases or those behaviors, what we tend to do um, generally is go. I don't want to be in their business. You know that dismiss that, it. Yeah. Let's let's just act like we didn't hear it. Um, maybe it's not that bad. It's just they're they're having a bad day. And I think if we really love someone, if we really want to call that person our friend, that's the perfect time to ask. Yeah. And even if they're not wanting co- to commit suicide or harm themselves in some way, it opens the door for a real conversation. Because even you and I, and you've, you've mentioned many times that I sponsor you here, um, it's easy just to joke and kid around the truth rather than really get down to the, the nitty-gritty. You know? Oh, yeah. But it's when we really open our heart and begin to talk to one another is where healing comes. And... I don't think that we need to become a counselor in that moment and say, well, do you want to hurt yourself? Oh, let me tell you what you need to do. Oh, no. Um, But we can tell them that they are valued, they are loved, and let's get you some help. Yes, yes. And uh, there's plenty of numbers and places to call for that. Yeah, and when the the main – there's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's a mouthful. It's like the National Suicide Hotline, and the number is one 800 23 1-800-273-8255. We'll put it in the show notes. And they're coming out with, I think this coming this summer, there's a text where you can text 988. Um, it's going to be the National Suicide Prevention text number. Um, and some states and cities and stuff already have this this type of deal. Um, I read an article uh, last year about the um, San Francisco they had so many, you know, the the uh, Golden Gate Bridge has so many suicides or whatever that, like, when you drive on the bridge, there's a number that you can text. Wow. And they were talking about the statistics of how many people texted and, like, you know, reached out for help because they were thinking about jumping off the bridge, all that kind of stuff. And so there, there's plenty of resources out there um, if you just don't give up and you reach out instead. And and if you do choose to use the number that Jason just gave, it's important not just to give them a, a number and a handshake. You know, um, follow up with them. Help them make that first phone call. Go with them with their first appointment to a counselor yeah. um, if they if they choose to let you do that. But just, you know, don't say, hey, you should just call this number and, and leave them there. Yeah. Um, that's when you're in that that point of your life, you need someone to walk with you. And um, that that friendship will go a long ways. Yeah. 
Well, all right, Jason. Uh, I think that is enough uh, for us to talk about today. Of course, that is not exhaustive by no means. We could talk about this topic all day long. But if you um, if you are that person who's had these thoughts, um, you know, know that you're not all alone, that other people's have those thoughts. It doesn't make you wrong, but you should talk to someone about those thoughts. Mm-hmm. If you've got someone in your family who's having them thoughts or have had them, I hope you know that there's nothing wrong with them, you know, by hearing mm-hmm. us share that we've had those thoughts, but don't leave them there by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, help them through that. And I, I think it, it'd be a benefit. Yes. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another one. My name's Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics. Soberholics.